never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Dracaris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that got lost in Candlekeep, but did find the secret passage to flourish in blots. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. How's it going? Uh, it's going, man. How are you? Uh, pretty good. I was assuming maybe they would they would have used some flu powder to get between those two uh, <laughs> bookstores or libraries. But uh, it's cool to hear that there's a secret passage. Um, how's everything been with you? Um, things have been absolutely crazy busy. Um, I believe I mentioned I was did I mention last week that I was working on a movie? Like, you know, I can't remember if you mentioned it on air or not. I might have just talked to you online. So I mentioned a while back that I was working on a writing project that I had to kind of keep secret. Um, And me and uh, our friend Travis from Chicago Science Bros were sitting around and decided to create a movie to uh, release to an amateur film competition. Um, And uh, we've been hard at work. And when I say hard at work, it's been like nonstop. It's like I've been completely consumed. I've taken breaks to do this podcast. And that's been about it. Um, So like around regular job, that's like all I've been working on. And it's been a ton of fun. But I can actually talk about it now because we're getting we're actually right at the submission phase. And then in like a month, it'll actually get to be shown. And we'll see how it goes. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. That being said, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you don't mind, Peter, but um, we're kind of a sponsor of the film. <laughs> so <laughs> because it was, it was just the uh, it was the team up of uh, Chicago Science Bros and Top Five Report podcast. So I was like, we're totally putting this in the opening credits. So <laughs> no, for sure, that's awesome. So yeah, um, I just wanted to. I, I should have told you that offline, but uh, no, it's it's. Yeah, what if I was really pissed about it or something? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> not that I would have. No, that's really cool. You did contribute in your own uh, behind the scenes way, so you know mm-hmm. what. I, um. So anyway, it'll be fun. It's going to be cool. Um. Eventually. Um. And the reason I'm talking about it now is because once it's done, we will be releasing it on um onto YouTube. Uh. So it'll be up, so you guys can see the movie that we put together. Um. Uh, so yeah, it, I think it'll be cool. Um, I am in it for like the briefest moment. You'll barely notice me cause it's a fast camera movement, <laughs> but we needed another body in the background. So I have a short cameo and uh, Travis is in it as well. Again, a short cameo cause it's primarily a kid's cast. So yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, that being said, <laughs> since I've been doing nothing, but almost watching that, I did get to watch a couple things. So why don't we hit that? Peter, what are we watching? What are we reading? Unless you wanted some, uh, another small talk business there at the top of the show. No, not really. I am really looking forward to seeing this uh, movie that you've been working on just because I love uh, I love short films and like independent films. And this is like 
super independent, obviously, at the point where it's, you know, just some friends getting together to make something and uh, submit it to, uh, you know, you know, a film festival. That's pretty exciting stuff. And we've talked on the show about how we literally carry this thing in our pocket that has the power to film things and edit them. And uh, I've mentioned before, like Zack Snyder did a short film using just his iPhone and it looks incredible. And uh, no, it's just something I love independent media in general. And it's something that I just think everybody should be doing. You know, people should be making more short films and stuff like that. So I'm super excited to see that when I finally get the chance. Um, Otherwise, let's see right now in life, uh, we're going camping this weekend, which which I'm pretty excited about. So uh, I've been getting ready to go camping, which is um, I don't know. I've gotten to the age where camping to me is just going and staying out in the woods and just like reading books all day and just relaxing without those everyday responsibilities. So I'm actually super pumped for that. Um, And then otherwise, as far as watching and reading stuff, I haven't gotten a, a a lot of time to watch or read anything this week. Um, I've been trying to watch Mortal Kombat, but with a uh, toddler running around the house, it's really hard to find time to watch a movie that is that gory. <laughs> so la- so last night we actually uh, did start watching it and then we we only have like half an hour left, but it just got to the point where it was too late and I wanted to go to sleep. So I've almost completed mortal Kombat. drew. I don't know if you've watched that at all. Uh, Um, yes, I have completed mortal Kombat. Um, okay. Quick review. Um, and you can speak a little bit cause you haven't watched the ending. Um, and I won't ruin the ending for you. My, my take on this is the movie was a lot of fun. Um, but it made me incredibly nostalgic, not for the games so much as it made me nostalgic for the original movie. Um, yeah. I'm not saying, and I don't say that meaning this is bad. I'm saying that meaning um, there were. So when I watched the original film back in the 90s, it was very clear who was who and why. Without having character names said, you knew who was who. In this one. And I've kept up with the Mortal Kombat game franchise enough that I know who characters are when they appear on screen. But there was a couple times that I'm like, who's that again with this movie? And <laughs> that I felt bothered me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's only be, and that's just because, like, everything was like hyper realistic looking. Um, and it got silly where it needed to get silly. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in it's Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah. So, there's a lot of magic and fantasy to it. So it's going to get silly in certain spots. Um, but the, the, but overall the movie was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed watching it. There was never a point where I was not entertained. It just made me feel nostalgic for that original movie. And it made me like the original movie a lot more than I originally remember it. Um, but this movie, I, it, it was just really cool. And I, honestly hope there's more coming you know we talked about last week how the one actor verbally said that he had signed on for four movies um even if it's three let's hope that's awesome because i'm down for more um i actually was really hoping there would have been more characters in this um movie um and i know you're not you're far enough into the movie peter to know what i'm talking about that when they kept talking about the tournament i never really felt like we got the tournament if that, makes, if that makes sense, um, where in the original film, it was very clear that it was a tournament and you were at a place that the tournament was being held and all that stuff. So um, 
I just didn't get that sense the way I did in the original source material kind of stuff. So, but overall, I liked the movie. I know that sounds sounds kind of back and forth crazy critical there, but overall, I really enjoyed the movie. So, yeah, the whole uh, tournament aspect is something that I thought was really weird because, like I said, I have like half an hour, 20 minutes left of the movie, uh, you know, to watch. And we I still haven't really gotten to the big Mortal Kombat tournament, and I was curious if that was even going to come into play. And uh, it's kind of disappointing that that's not there. Um, There's honestly this movie, I think, does carry the torch really well from the first Mortal Kombat movie where there's just a ton of action. Like almost every other scene is this brutal, gory, awesome fight sequence. Like it's almost like every five minutes there's another one, which is exactly what I personally want from a Mortal Kombat movie. But um, I just did. It is a little bit weird. It's kind of like and I'm just assuming at this point, but it sounds like you're confirming this where it's like instead of having the tournament, it's just basically Shang Tsung and all the uh, all the like evil characters are trying to sort of make their make it so there's no need for a tournament before the tournament either even happens, which is OK. But I still think that that sort of um, I don't know what they call it, like the out outer world or uh, where, outworld. you know, outworld. Yeah. I do like that landscape and I do like the uh, like you think of the first movie and all of the cool uh, landscapes and settings they had for different fight sequences. And I do kind of feel like I'm missing that a little bit where for the most part, everything I've seen has been kind of based in the real world. Um, And then the other thing is like I am a little bit nostalgic for the original Mortal Kombat movie as well and what's weird is i think this movie does almost everything better when you look at special effects and uh costumes and and cinematography like this movie in a visual sense is just everything so spot on but i think my issue with it so far has actually just been some of the acting um i mentioned shang sung and when you look at shang sung from the original mortal kombat movie that actor and i don't know his name but i've seen him in a bunch of other stuff but the actor even though it's this really goofy video game movie and i mean goofy in the best way possible but it's even though it's this ridiculous uh sort of be a movie, but it's also really badass and awesome. The actor who played Shang Tsung, he took it so seriously and he committed to that role so well. And it's just every word he said, he put so much flavor and conviction into it. And I just kept thinking of his performance as I watched this movie, because I feel like the new Shang Tsung actor was kind of phoning it in. And the other actors, you know, did pretty well. I think Shang Tsung was the only one where I felt like his acting was really stiff. Um, But yeah, I I just think overall some of the acting in this movie could be better, but pretty much everything else I'm really, really enjoying, Um, especially when it comes to some of the special effects. Uh, Goro just looks badass. Uh, Reptile looked awesome. Like there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in here. Um, I thought was weird because I was I I really like I always thought like the ninjas, I guess you could say Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Reptile, Smoke, Noob Saibot, and Rain. I think that's all of them, unless you get into the uh, unless you get into the robots when you get Cyrax and uh, Sector. But those specific characters, 
I always thought reptile was cool looking. And then when I saw him as an actual reptile, it kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, oh, okay, that's a way to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's almost like they based this new reptile off of the old movie reptile. Because I do agree. I do like uh, when they present reptile as more of a ninja because it for some reason it adds like a little bit more of a fantasy element. Like it's not just like he's this reptilian monster that looks like he could exist in nature. Like the fact that it's like a ninja reptilian character makes it a little bit even more detached from reality, which I kind of like, cause it just makes my imagination go a little more. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I was going to say about this new movie though, even though like Shang Tsung and some of the other acting I thought was a little uh, stilted, I do. I actually really love uh, this new version of Kano in this movie. Like he's obnoxious. Yeah, Yeah, like like he's obnoxious, but he's he's supposed to be. And he really has this good like you love to hate him sort of uh, persona to himself. And uh, I don't know. I just I couldn't get enough of Kano because he was just he was he was obnoxious. But you love how obnoxious he was. And I've never really been a Kano fan, so watching this new movie, I actually was really enjoying just that guy's performance. Like, he was the one, I wouldn't say the one redeeming aspect, but he was just a really redeeming aspect of the movie for me. So, I mean, overall, I'm with you. I'm liking it a lot, but there's just a couple nitpick sort of things for me. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, so I, I, I look forward to your the rest of your review, if you will. <laughs> Yeah. Next week, I'll review the last 20 minutes of Mortal Kombat. I know. And OK, so we're going to have to talk about this later um, or maybe offline. But as I'm as we're talking, I'm just like scrolling to see if there's any news. We we have a light news week this week. So mm-hmm. we'll get into the last of the watching category. Um, the a trailer for Castlevania season four just dropped. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, we can't. And unfortunately, in this really weird world, we can't like air it right now and like watch it together and stuff. So I'm going to have to watch it after I get done. But I just wanted to let you know, hey, that's up right now. Um, <laughs> so while I was listening, I'm like, is there anything I'm missing? And then that hit. I'm like, shoot, you know, OK. <laughs> um, all right. So Mortal Kombat. Uh, let me see real quick. Um, I'm reading a lot of old Batman right now, and it's awesome um nice like old like how old well so like i'm kind of bouncing around a little bit so because of the dc universe app which i'm not by the way i'm not being paid by dc to say any of this stuff uh the app's awesome and i and i really enjoy it but it's allowing me to read comics at a time when like my day gets busy so like sometimes it's i'm just flipping a couple panels sometimes we're reading full issues but i'm actually getting to read comics again because i have I can do it while I'm it doesn't matter where I am. I can be like, oh, I got 10 minutes and I'm like flipping, you know, so um, and ha- carrying it around on my phone has been great. So um, I read an arc from the 90s, which was just a ton of fun. Um, you forget that there was a war on drugs in our political society. <laughs> um, so that played a little bit of like a background uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the political, the um, political satire or the uh, uh What's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, social commentary. There you uh, go. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. But then I'm also reading. I'm. I also at one point want to say that I've read every issue of Detective Comics. So because Batman's first appearance was in Detective Comics, Detective Comics 27 to be exact. So I literally went all the way back. I've read from Detective Comics 27, which is Batman's first appearance. So that's where I'm accounting officially starting. Um. So I started at 27. I'm up to 83. 
Um, some of that old, some of it, it's starting, it's starting just now, starting to get a little campy at parts and you're just like, really, but (laughs) I've gone through dialogue with, um, where people have talked about, um, uh, the, uh, a woman was all upset because her jewels got, it was like a jewel heist, uh, thing. So Batman and Robin were tracking down a jewel thief and the jewels that they stole were these ladies, like family heirlooms that she was able to hang on during the great depression. So they had great depression commentary because it was, uh, pre-world war two. And then I got into the world war two era, which I'm still in right now, but they actually, I just read an issue about Batman and Robin going overseas to sell war bonds and all that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, yeah. Just it's just the evolution of the social commentary told through this media, which is interesting because eventually Batman and Robin will get to the 1960s camp from like mm-hmm. Batman 66. And then it'll move into um, the 70s and 80s. We're going to get through, which I'm really kind of curious to see how it's warped around Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then it's going to get dark again, like really dark back to the what we know the Dark Knight to really be. So I'm really looking forward to the uh, evolution of it. But. Every now and then I'll get bored with the I'll, I'll read a chunk. I'll read like five or six issues of old like World War Two era. And I'm like, I need to jump in. So I jump a little farther ahead, not in Detective Comics, but I'll go look up like Legends of the Dark Knight as, a, as another book that ran for a while. And I had like 13 issues. See, so I just read those 13 issues and jump back. So, you know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, with all the different titles, I'm just like Detective Comics is there. But then you go read something else and you bounce back. So. It's been a lot of fun. I'm just, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what I've been reading anyway. Um, And then uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, if you've watched that. Yes, yeah, I did watch that um, as well. So um, I don't know if I should give my review. Go ahead. first. Um, So this is, I don't know why, but it took me, um, I guess I just kept myself pretty busy because it took me till yesterday to watch this. Um, so I have no idea as far as the online, um, backlash or support, or I just don't really know what the, uh, nerd, um, you know, populace is really how they're reacting to this, but I thought it was a really satisfying, uh, finale. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, Obviously, this is going to be a spoiler full review. Um, uh, Sam going from the Falcon and taking up the mantle of Captain America, like he just looked so badass. Um, What a lot of the action we got in this episode was kind of the stuff I was hoping for the whole time where you have, you know, Sam flying around with the Falcon wings and throwing the, uh, you know, Captain America shield around and just some of the action and some of the choreography was just so just so cool um and uh no it was, it was just a really good i thought it was just a really satisfying sort of final battle scene um you know involving um john walker and the and uh bucky and uh cap you know that sam is the new captain america i just thought it was really well done and it was really cool and uh you know after the i guess big fight scene is resolved. Uh, the part where, uh, Sam is talking to the, uh, politicians outside. I just felt, I don't know. That was just such a sort of like a really heartwarming, but also just a really powerful sort of speech that he delivered to this politicians. And I feel like it's the type of thing that a lot of, uh, I don't know, average American citizens are thinking, thinking about, but they never get the chance to like say to their elective elected officials. And I just thought it was just a really, Really satisfying episode overall. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Drew. Um, I agree with everything you just said. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing about the political statement, I really wonder if that was gone back and added or adjusted or reshot because that show got put on hold. Um, right. And that I only say that for the final speech. I only say that for that final chunk where he's talking to the senators and because the timing of the show is bizarrely perfect with what's going on right now. But there's no way you can time something like that. So there's a coincidental aspect to it. So it makes me wonder if they went back and redid it or if that was part of the plan all along. And then literally the real world timed out with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, that being said, really poignant, really powerful. It was great. And it's great to hear Captain America say stuff like that. What I loved was the moment because this became because ultimately when you learn about Isaiah Bradley's backstory and everything, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier became a story about whether a black man could be Captain America. Um, and that's a huge, powerful moment. And I love the scene. I absolutely love it. It's probably one of my favorite lines of dialogue from the mo- from the episode, the movie. It's a six hour movie. I keep wanting to call it a movie. Because, <laughs> I mean, it basically was. But um, I love the scene when he like lands and there's like all the um, like the people sitting around and they're filming with their cameras. Um, and it's a moment. It's a, like a rescue moment. It's not the big speech thing. And the one guy goes, hey, dude, that's Black Falcon. And the guy goes, no, that's Captain America. Mm-hmm. It's just that was that's that harkens back to the thing in the Snyder Cut when the little girl's like, can I be like you someday? This is the same thing. Those guys were like, no, that's Captain America. And it was awesome. It was incredibly powerful. It was, it was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I did notice if you didn't notice at the end of the show, they changed the title to Captain America and the Winter Soldier. No, and I actually I did notice that, and uh, I thought that was really beautiful. Um, unless I missed it, I don't think they had a uh, title shot throughout the whole episode until the very end when that did come on the screen, Captain America um, and the Winter Soldier. And uh, That's a good question. They always do the title at the end of the episodes. I just don't know if it ever, like in the previous well, episodes, if it happened earlier. In the previous ones, I do know they show one at the beginning. Like usually they'll have like an intro scene and then they'll show it after that. Um, but uh, no, I just thought I just thought that was really beautiful when it came up. And it took me a second to realize that it said Captain America instead of the Falcon. But right. it was just a perfect way to end it. And uh, it makes me think about um, Captain America to, you know, Captain America, the Winter Soldier you know, there's that colon and then the Winter Soldier, but this is now Captain America and the Winter Soldier as a team. And then you also combine that with the new sort of um, just the epicness of uh, Sam taking up the role of uh, Captain America and what that means. And uh, it was just a really I just thought it was a really beautiful and touching way to end the episode while also hinting that like, no, there's a lot more adventures for this, uh, you know, these characters in the show. There's a lot further places we can go. So I just thought that was awesome. Right. Um, I want to talk about Sharon Carter real quick. I got a couple text messages from friends asking me what's going on with Sharon Carter. Um, I was a, I'm a big Sharon Carter fan, and I read a lot of Ed Brubaker's run of the Winter Soldier because Ed Brubaker is the one who created the Winter Soldier. And his run of Captain America explored the whole thing. Um, and it covers a lot of the relationship between Sharon Carter and Steve Rogers and all that stuff. When they got to the part of at the end of the episode, spoilers, everybody, when Sharon Carter is basically named as the power broker and she's also being reinstated. So she's essentially a double agent right now. Um, some of my friends put texted me and they're like, what's going on? I thought she was a good guy. And I'm like, 
And I was like, if this is directly lifted from the comics, if she becomes the double agent or a villain character, it's new to me because I only read up so far. Um, I didn't do a lot of digging into it because at this point, um, if they try and take some liberties or make some adjustments, because the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not comic books, not cartoons or anything, the MCU is kind of its own thing. And it's taken some liberties and made heavy changes. You know, people criticize Game of Thrones for making changes and veering from the books, but not one person said, hey, Infinity War and Endgame don't do anything that the books did <laughs> because they heavily don't. <laughs> yeah. They overall cover the basis of the story. But if you read the comic book and then go watch the movie, it is vastly, vastly different. So if they're taking their own little liberties with Sharon Carter right now, I'm along for the ride. And I kind of like the idea that I'm along for the ride. Um, so let's see where that goes. Um, that being said, uh, and then Julia Louise Dreyfus character is now in the show. And I've gotten some questions about that from friends. And I want to clarify Julia Louise Dreyfus character. And this is potential spoiler um, because of who her character is, because I didn't think it was very clear in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So she is one of the high up Hydra agents and is very well known in the Marvel Universe as Madam Hydra. Um, she later takes on the moniker of the Viper, not to be confused with Viper, who's an X-Men villain that we saw in the Wolverine film with Hugh Jackman. But, <laughs> I forget, yeah, I forgot about that. But she is known as the Viper. Either way, she's Madame Hydra. Um, I did find out that she was supposed to make her debut in the Black Widow film that we were supposed to get two years ago. So um, that being said, uh, hopefully that makes me wonder where Black Widow lands timeline wise. So when we finally see Black Widow, we might get more of that character. I don't know, though. So no assumptions there. I just found out she was supposed to be in that after we found, saw her in this. So uh, she's awesome. Loved every bit of it. She totally like chewed all the scenery and it was just like, oh, my gosh, what a great actress to put there. Um, and then her story arc leading into U.S. agent, by the way. That looks great. <laughs> so um, and they handled the U.S. agent thing really, really well. So, yeah, absolutely, because they did show that um, John Walker is like he is a good person. You know, he's by the end of the episode, like by the end of the series, he did sort of, uh, you know, he fought on the side of the good guys. But you can also see how he is a nuanced character and he could evil easily you know, work for somebody with malicious intent and stuff. And I think there's going on, there's a lot of really interesting stuff they can do with his character. And uh, it's funny because I haven't really been immersed in it a ton, but I do really like his character. And I know a lot of people online have been hating on his character, but no, I just think he's one of the more interesting characters because he's unpredictable and he's nuanced and stuff. And I think that's cool. Um Drew, I did want to ask you, what are your thoughts on the new Captain America costume? Um, I so I think it looks great. If you look, if you compare it to the comic book, it looks amazingly almost perfect. Like, yeah, they made a couple changes, but they have to because it's real life. But it looks so perfect. My only beef with the new Captain America costume compared to the old Captain America costume is I prefer personally darker colors in general. So like, okay. like, you know, like Captain America's costume. So for example, Captain America and Avengers, his costume is very blue. 
Like it's noticeably yeah. blue. But then when you watch Captain America Winter Soldier, it's still blue, but it's like a dark navy. You see what I'm saying? I think it looks better when it's got the darker colors. So Sam's Captain America costume, it looks great. It's just too bright for me. Like I want him to darken <laughs> I just want him to darken it up a bit. That's all. <laughs> so, right. I, or, I hear it. Or, or it doesn't have to be darkened up. The white is fine, but maybe tone down the white a little bit. So it's like, because it's kind of like the costume is primarily white and then they had the accent colors. What if you made white the accent color and, you know, flipped it a little bit? I don't know. I just, I there's a color thing for me. Otherwise, I thought it looked good. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think you do have a good point with the white because you do got to think about like when these characters are fighting each other, they, there is an element of camouflage that you might want to have. And maybe having a dark blue as your costume color would be harder to see from far away as opposed to like if your suit was primarily red or white. But um, no, I actually, it's kind of funny because I'm a little bit the opposite where I actually, I really liked the Captain America costume in the Avengers. And I know it's really bright and colorful, but, and I think it's just because it feels a little comic booky to me, but I actually kind of, I kind of like that aspect of it. And like this costume, I actually think is really badass. Like this might be one of my favorite costumes from the MCU in a long time. And I didn't really mind the bright colors because it's another one of those things that's kind of like seeing a comic book in live action. I know with the super bright colors, it is a less, a little less realistic though. So I feel like some people probably are, are hating on this, but to me, this costume just looked really good but it also looks unique like i really enjoyed the sort of um i don't even know what you call it it's kind of like half of a mask where how there's like the white pieces come up onto the side of sam's face and stuff it has a very unique look um that i just really enjoy like it was unexpected and it was unique but i think they pulled it off really well and it just looks really good and uh i don't know i this suit has me jazzed up because i just think the way you know, Sam was using the wings uh, in tandem with the uh, shield and some of yeah. those fight scenes just were so freaking cool in this episode. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm probably a little biased, but oh, it is agreed. what it is. Agreed. It's awesome. Um, I do want this is this actually. Did you have anything else you watched? No, it was really just that and Mortal Kombat. So All right, cool. Same here. So the reason I say that is because this kind of rolls into um uh, this kind of rolls into news perfectly is because since uh, Captain America, sorry. Yeah. Captain America and the Winter Soldier has stopped being on TV since the final episode aired. Marvel has announced that a fourth Captain America movie is in the works. Oh, cool. Uh, with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier creator and showrunner. Um, he'll be co-writing the script. Uh, so they're going to basically take uh, Sam is now Captain America. And here we go. Uh, they did say there's a, we did talk a week or two ago about how this is the one show that might get a second season because you could do a second season where WandaVision, it's kind of a one and done kind of a show because you couldn't do that again. Uh, you could probably do a Wanda show, but you couldn't do a WandaVision show the way that one was. Um, so Falcon and the Winter Soldier could get more seasons, but we're definitely getting another movie. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. We're going to get Captain America again. So it's just going to be different. But as long as you've been paying attention, it'll be awesome. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Just thinking about Wanda, I, I kind of feel like after, uh, you know, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness comes out, we might have a little bit more insight on that because as far as I know, 
Wanda will probably still be involved in that. And based on whatever happens in that movie might severely affect whether there's more stories to be told, told with her or not. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that's kind of what I'm speculating at this moment. I I agree with you. And we might actually get a little bit more of that when Spider-Man comes, because that movie is coming before Dr. Strange. Yeah. Apparently, Doctor Strange is is supposed to be in Spider Man. <laughs> so, in the realm of them, in, in the realm of the Spider Verse happening, and then going into this multiverse of madness that Doctor Strange is gonna have to deal with with Wanda, having him in that movie kind of like sends some red flags and like, ooh, that's interesting. But we also have Loki. We're about to see him f- like a few weeks. So, when you think about that, um, when you think about that, where you got. We're going to have some real, really cool, like multiversal stuff going on. So, yeah. And everybody's going to be in every movie, it sounds like. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why, not? <laughs> Why not? Um, okay. Um, news, uh, DC or weird? Which one would you like? Let's st- let's stick with the comics and do uh, DC and then we can go to weird and then we can go into weird with our list, I guess. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. All right, so this is just more of a Snyder Cut uh, thing to top things off. Uh, there is a some numbers came in. Um, all right, so over overall, AT and T beat Wall Street's financial expectations, reporting forty three point nine billion in revenue and adjusted earnings per share of eighty six cents. Um, with the uh, telco touting uh, strongest first quarter for wireless prepaid phone. Net adds more than a decade. Analysis expected AT&T to post quarter one revenue of $42.7 billion and adjusted earnings of $0.78 cents per share. Now, you guys are probably like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> you got to remember, <laughs> AT&T owns Warner Brothers. They own HBO Max. They own the Snyder Cut. Uh, HBO Max brought in $43.9 billion in the first quarter of their platform. That is 9.8% higher than expected for a total of $8.5 billion. Um, the Snyder cut was a massive success for HBO max, bringing in 2.7 million new subscribers and bringing the domestic total to 42, 44.2 million. Um, so it's, it's basically numbers came in that said Snyder cut overperformed, um, and did very, very well for the platform. So, and Sarnoff, I hope you're seeing these numbers seriously. Let's restore the Snyderverse already. Um, so that's, <laughs> so yes, I had to do some numbers and tell you some wall street news, but it was all important because we want the Snyder cut, the Snyderverse to continue. Um, absolutely. And it's kind of cool cause everybody, whether they liked or hated the Snyder cut, everybody had to watch it, but it's awesome to hear those statistics, you know, in real time. Like it's just, I'm just really glad the Snyder cut did really yeah. well. Um, but no, what were you saying? Agreed. Well, I was just going to say agreed. And, um, a lot of the stuff from the Snyder cut, this is the next DC story. This is the last of the DC stories. Uh, the news from the Snyder cut, um, we got a lot of that and heard a lot about it at DC fandom this past summer, uh, when COVID was shut down and we didn't have anything to do when we were trapped in our houses, DC decided to do a virtual convention for us so we could sit around and, listen to DC news and get excited about new projects and new movies. And so the DC fandom happened. Um, good news, everybody. The epic global event DC fandom is coming back and it'll be October 16th of this year. That's uh, awesome. And it was, it was awesome. It was such a cool like thing to sit and watch conventionally and stuff like that. And it's, and, and I hope, um, 
and I hope it'll be easy as, uh, I, I hope that'll be virtual again as well, because when you do a convention like uh, Star Wars Celebration, when you can't go, you can still stream it somewhere and watch the whole convention. Uh, they'll have, they have everything up for you to watch and that kind of stuff right on StarWars.com. So hopefully DC has that set up so we can view everything as well. Uh, yeah, so yeah, and I kind of hope that becomes the norm with every conventions, even as stuff starts to open up and we do get to start to have, you know, conventions IRL. Like, I still think it's cool when, you know, they stream all of the uh, panels and stuff like that. And I, I hope that really stays, you know, keeps being the norm personally. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. And I I. I love going to conventions and as soon as I can, as soon as like, you know, we live in the Chicago area. So as soon as like C2E2 like can open back up, for example, um, I totally plan to be there. Um, but we're kind of at the mercy of like how people are going to make things happen. Yeah. So I think, I think I did hear that C2E2 is doing a virtual convention this year. Maybe it was, I think it was C2E2. It might've been the, another one of the C2E2, Chicago conventions, but because I'm on the email chain for that, and it sounds like they're going to try an in-person one in December, if possible. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's what I saw. It's. Um, I think I'm thinking of Anime Central is doing a remote convention this okay. year. And then C2E2, you're right. It is uh, in December, right at the end of 2021. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, we might both be there, and that would be awesome. <laughs> it would be awesome. All right. You ready for the weird one? Yeah, yeah, lay it on me. <laughs> it's, it's not weird. It just made me laugh. Um, the Flintstones are coming back. Um, okay. <laughs> the Flintstones are coming back, and I'm not kidding. Flintstones, not just live at not live action and not a movie. This is going to be a television, an animated television show. It is going to be a sequel from the original, and it's going to be an animated series for adults. Fox has just announced Bedrock an adult animated comedy sequel to the Flintstones produced by Warner brothers animation and Elizabeth Banks. Um, (laughs) and Elizabeth Banks will be producing. Here's the coolest part. She will also be voicing a grown up pebbles Flintstone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's funny. I think I I was wondering if pebbles and bam, bam, were going to be adults, uh, at this point, but, uh, yeah, what we're going to say. So let's see here. Um, it will uh, Elizabeth Banks will star in an executive produce Fox's upcoming Flintstones project, an adult version of the animation classic. It'll follow a 20 something Pebbles Flintstone voiced by Elizabeth Banks, and she begins her own career and her dad, Fred, nears retirement. <laughs> that's there all, you go. That's all there is. But it made me <laughs> laugh. And I have fond memories of watching the Flintstones before I went to school in the morning. So I am. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I'd get up and I'd be watching Flintstones and Jetsons while I was eating breakfast and getting ready to leave. So um, I am totally down for this. This sounds awesome. It really does. Like when you <laughs> think about when you think about uh, uh, sequelizing or expanding and then like do, bringing it to an adult audience or something, this just sounds cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just listening to the story. I know there's people who are really pissed off that it's going to be an adult animated series because they probably just think it's like, uh, you know, blaspheming the Flintstones name or something like that. But to tell the truth, I don't know if kids these days are interested in the Flintstones, but it sounds like it's going to be a really good show and a good time for people, you know, older Flintstones fans to uh, tune in and probably 
just laugh their butts off at uh, some really good jokes. So right. I'll definitely check this out. But uh, no, this is a really out of the blue, but uh, funny story. Right. What I think people need to realize in terms of what this Flintstone show is supposed to be or was is, is meant to be in that aspect is it's I think the whole point of it is I don't think you could bring it back in any other way but to make it an adult animated show. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> yeah. In the way, in the realm of how animation is and stuff like that. And I don't think a 20 something uh, Pebbles Flintstone lands on Cartoon Network during kids' hours. It just doesn't, it, I don't think it flies. By uh, the way, if you look at some of the kids' cartoons nowadays and how they're put together in terms of writing and storytelling, I just don't, I just don't see it. So this makes complete sense to me. And it's not me going, bring on the bad language and the sexual innuendos. It's me saying, I think this deserves an adult take. So, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I'm I'm still waiting for the dark, gritty Riverdale-esque uh, Scooby-Doo show. When is that going to come out? <laughs> yeah, the, the, Thelma, the Thelma show that's supposed to happen. Um, I agree. It's probably still in pre-production right now. But yeah, that's supposed to happen. Oh, I didn't know that was actually. Is this a CW thing or? I don't know if it's CW, but it's actually supposed to happen. There's supposed to be a Thelma. Um, it's supposed to focus specifically on Thelma, but it is a dark, gritty Scooby-Doo, like Riverdale-esque style show. Oh, that's awesome. This is, I've wanted were this so making, long, I didn't know this was actually happening. What's were you, that? Were you making a joke about that? No, I just always, ever since I saw Riverdale, and I think it's even in the first season, it might be in the, the, the last episode of the first season, uh, during Jughead's uh, monologue, he has a joke about Scooby-Doo. And I think ever ever since hearing that, I was like, man, they should do a Scooby-Doo show like this. That would be so great. So well, I look forward to it, you know. That's funny because you're going to get your wish. <laughs> so. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if Thelma's my favorite character. Like, I'd be cool if it was like a stoner comedy all about Scooby and Shaggy. But I'll definitely check it out once it comes out. <laughs> Sweet. Well, <laughs> since we're talking about really weird stuff to begin with, um, you want to talk about our list tonight? Yeah, let's go for it. Sweet. All right, Ryan, it is list time. So do me a favor, man, and roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right, Peter, here we go. So this week's list, if you were not here last week, if you were not listening, I had this weird idea that we should do our top five rated R movies that we would like to see done with the Muppets. Now, um, I don't know where I came up with this idea. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> um, it just something something struck me as really funny and odd. And I was like, this could be really this could be just a fun conversation. And I want you to know. And I don't know how you tackled this list, but I was looking at like I kind of made a list of like some of my favorite rated R films. And then I kind of like backtracked on my list and then I went back into my own collection and started writing down a whole nother list of rated R films. And then I started looking at when I watch a Muppets movie, I don't want when I when I made this list in my head, it's not like the whole cast is Muppets. Muppet movies have to be there's a degree of it's it's a it's a fine balance between real people and the Muppet characters. So you want about half and half. You want like a good even split, right? So I wanted the mm -hmm. movie to happen as is, but some of the Muppet characters would be playing the characters in the movie, if that makes sense. So and because of that, like so, for example, The Matrix is a rated R movie. But if I were to do it with Muppets, 
it'd get really CG weird because they're Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, the Matrix is a lot of CG weird anyway, but the Matrix is a lot of CG weird in the best way possible because of what it is. So I was kind of going, well, the Muppets do everything practical, so it's got to be practical. So let's now take a look at those rated R movies. And I ended up coming up with, I think, a really cool list of films that I think would be amazing to see done by the Muppets because of like practical effects and old school filmmaking. And then you throw in the blend of, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. That's I think um, how I tackled, that's how I kind of tackled my list and it made it incredibly harder to put together than I thought. So <laughs> I don't know if my list is as uh, concise or in depth as far as the reasoning as you, you know, as your experience with it, but I kind of, I, I approached it from a similar way. A lot of it's just kind of movies that I would like to see them do, you know, with Muppets involved, because visually there's a lot of interesting and unexpected and weird things that could happen. Um, and then the other aspect is just movies that I think would fit the Muppets vibe or, you know, wouldn't, you know, maybe there's a big juxtaposition there. But uh, no, this was honestly just really hard to put together. <laughs> Oh, good. That's good to hear. Sorry to say that, but it's good to hear. <laughs> um, I have two honorable mentions, but one is a complete cheat. Um, I don't know about you. Uh, I have one honorable mention. Like I said, it was difficult, and I was like, and, and what happened was, is I ended up seeing so many movies that I wanted for honorable mentions that I was like, just one honorable mention and call it a day. So, what are your first? What's your first one? So the one that's a cheat, and the only reason it's a cheat is because it's not rated R. But I thought of it while compiling my list, and I was like, no, this is this is too good. I'll include it as an honorable mention. And that is the James Cameron movie Avatar. <laughs> and I just think it would be funny is to see. Avatar rated R? That's, that's why it's a cheat, is I'm okay. pretty certain it's not rated R. But uh, no, I just think it'd be funny that, to have Muppets involved in that and to see... Um, so originally I was thinking like maybe the Navi could be these giant blue Muppets. But then I, I was thinking along your lines of the whole practical effects. And I was like, no, if there was a Muppet version of Avatar, the Muppets would be the human characters. And then you would have human actors painted blue who would be playing the Navi. And it just seemed like a funny uh, sort of reversal. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I just think that one would be entertaining, but it's not rated R. So it's definitely a cheat. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, yeah, that's I'd like to see Muppet versions of the Navi. That's one thing. <laughs> Instead of CG, I'd love to see the Muppet. Version yeah. Of the Navi. Anyway. And some of the some of the mechs and stuff from Avatar would be really cool. If there's you know, but science and Beaker. I'm sorry, Benson, Bunsen and Beaker as scientists who are like putting them into the uh, Avatar program and like the behind. The, do you know what I'm saying? That'd be mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, Absolutely. So, you know, in terms of like filtering them in. Um, all right. So my actual my first honorable mention is Scream. Um, OK, <laughs> I don't I don't know who would go where in terms of characters, but I totally pictured like Scooter as the film. He'd replace the film guy. Um, he would replace okay. Jimmy Kennedy as the guy who knows all the rules about film <laughs> and stuff like that. And since they all work, since the Muppets all come from a, the film industry anyway, they work in movies. They're like comedic knowledge of movies and stuff when they're doing the jokes about the horror genre and stuff. I just thought it'd be really funny, especially when you have like, uh, you know, like take Matthew Lillard. So Matthew Lillard 
I think would still be in the movie because he's such a, he's such a great dynamic part of the movie, but he's the guy in the movie that jokes about the, I'll be right back. He makes the, I'll be right back joke. But could you imagine if that was like Sweetums, for example, from the Muppets, <laughs> you know, like when you get to the big house party and stuff like that at the end of the movie, like it's just, it's too funny or like the school scenes and stuff like the idea of it with Muppets would be hysterical. So no, it works so well. And it is that sort of, Muppet sort of commentary and relation to the uh, wider world of pop culture that makes it fit so well. Um, I just keep thinking about like Muppet babies and how on that show, like different characters would open a door and then there would be a clip from some classic film, you know, like a character would open a door and then it would be footage from like the old like Metropolis movie or something in the background. And then there would be some sort of funny joke uh, related to that. And in a movie like Scream, if you incorporated that, it would just fit so well. Um, I do think that sort of Scooter replacing uh, Jamie Kennedy is like a really funny idea as well. And um, I can't I'm I'm so bad, like I can't remember their names, but the two uh, old guys who sit in the balcony and the Muppet show and, uh, you know, heckle. uh the people on stage about everything. I think they could have some really funny parts in that as well. Like maybe you have a younger version of them, like a teenage version of them at the party who are just, you know, heckling about the uh, different movies and stuff that Scooter's character is showing to them. Like it's, it's a really funny idea overall. And then, uh, I also think like since the ki- the killer could still look like the, you know, the ghost face killer, like he could still look like a human running around. But then you never know, like maybe you unmask him at the end and it's actually like Rizzo the rat or, you know, it's some character <laughs> that it doesn't make sense that they would be like the size of a human or something like that. Right, right. Um, yeah. I, well, having that's the other thing is like, I don't know if I'd want to change the who the killer like Nev Campbell would still have to be in the movie. But I don't know if I'd want to remove like Skeet Ulrich, for example, and not have him be the killer. You know what I mean? Spoilers on screen, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I, I wasn't thinking like too deep into who if who would I would change. But I was like some character like, oh, that's so funny to see it as this Muppet character kind of thing. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah, that's that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what's your other uh, what's your other honorable mention? Yeah. So my other one is uh, Prometheus. Um And I was thinking a lot of the alien movies because there's the obvious idea of having a Muppet being, you know, one of the xenomorphs. But when you think about Prometheus and that that movie shows us the evolution of the of the Zemo, uh, the xenomorphs from a microscopic size all the way to like human size and if you factor Muppets into that, there's some very weird and kooky things that could happen because you could have xenomorphs uh, attacking and birthing themselves out of humans and then doing the same thing with Muppets. And uh, to see like a Muppet xenomorph would be really crazy. But it's just kind of the that whole like evolutionary aspect and all the crazy visual creatures you could get through that process, I just thought would be super interesting to see. Yeah. So that, and I'm, that's, it's a great poll and it's going to, so it's a great poll. It makes me wonder if that would fall under Jim Henson's creature shop as opposed to the Muppets. Um, but either way, it's all under the same banner, right? Um, what's funny about that is that that rolls into, and this is a, this is literally, I'm piggybacking off of what you're saying. Cause Prometheus is a great poll. I just wasn't thinking Prometheus because yeah. I, because I said aliens, 
for my first actual pick of the night. Um, <laughs> nice. So in terms of the alien films with the Prometheus and the Xenomorph and stuff like that, one of the things I was thinking of was what if you replaced or like added Muppets to be Marines in aliens that was going through my head. Cause you have, like, <laughs> because not only does Hudson or, or Bill Paxson's character get to be the guy <laughs> the game over, but what if you have one of the Muppets set it too? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, you know, like when he's like, game over, man, game over. And one of them, and you know, you have like one to be like, yeah, game over for real. You know what I mean? Could you imagine if the animal, <laughs> like the animal was one of the Marines or something like that? Like that's kind of what's going through my head. Um, I just thought it was really funny. Um, the idea of that and like the Muppet, seeing the Xenomorph as a Muppet, um, the Xenomorph already is kind of a Muppet if you think about it in terms of the practicality of how they built it. If you go into the behind the scenes of how that movie was done and put together. Um so I didn't think about changing the xenomorph at all. But your idea of the um, your idea of the microscopic <laughs> part of it goes all the way back to like classic deep cut Muppets. Um, yeah. And there's some like. All right. So you go to um, if you go to. YouTube, um, we. All right. So as kids, when we were growing up. I, I remember recording the Muppets did a 30th anniversary special. Um, the Muppets did a 30th anniversary special and they um, aired it. It was like on ABC or something like that. And uh, we had it on. We taped it off the VCR. Old school kids taped it off the VCR. and We burned that tape into the ground. I freaking loved watching. I think it was awesome. But the um, but they had some really cool deep cut Muppet like segments or like sketches that like like they got lost a time kind of thing with some really weird looking Muppet like creatures that weren't your standard Fozzie or Kermit or Piggy or Gonzo. These were like weird creatures that had no names and they were just meant there to be comedy. And some of those, that's what makes me think of Prometheus. When you said that, I was like, holy cow, they could have done some cool stuff with that. So absolutely. There was all these old weird, uh, like inchworms and, uh, different characters like that. And when I think of Prometheus, like there's that weird, like, uh, there's those snake looking xenomorphs that they encounter at one part. And that could be some crazy Muppet. Um, I do agree with you. Like, obviously, uh, the, the practical effects behind the xenomorphs in, uh, the aliens films, there's, a uh, you know, it is, there is like some, a lot of puppetry going on, but I'm just thinking like if a face hugger attached himself to one of the Muppets, what would that xenomorph end up looking like? And would it have sort of like fuzzy, like felt like skin or would it have, you know, the sort of smooth, slimy xenomorph skin we're used to. And just, there's all these questions and I think there's really crazy stuff they could do. Um, the other thing I was thinking while you were talking, just because I don't know, the aliens, uh, movie universe does lend itself really well to this, uh, prompt because, there's just some crazy things you could do. Like you could have one of the Muppets be an andro Android. And then, you know, you reach the part of the movie where <laughs> the Muppet gets cut in half. But then instead of having like the really gross, uh, milky insides of the Android leaking everywhere, it could just be like a trail of white or, you know, white yarn or something that's coming out of the Muppet. And like, there's a lot of just weird, just really weird stuff that could happen <laughs> with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And like it, it could get weird and gross. But when I just I just thought practical effects and I'm like, that's totally how the Muppets do things. And like they have the creature guys from the, and Jim Henson's like work on these. God, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, what's your uh, first actual pick since we're off of aliens? Unless you yes. No, no, I didn't. I didn't match that one. So my first actual one, I'll use one that you used as an example earlier, and that would be the Matrix. Um, and well, uh, funny like that you I said that I did. <laughs> what's that? It's funny that I made the comment that I did then. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but like you said, there would be a lot of when you think of the bullet time, bullet time stuff, and the choreography of the Matrix, and having like multiple puppet characters involved with something like that. There's some really just wild visuals that we could get from that. Um, I was also just thinking like certain, certain matrix characters would look really cool as Muppets. Like I haven't necessarily thought about specifically which Muppet characters, but I could imagine like some of the agents being Muppets and that would be, uh, that could be a really fun thing to do. But then I was also just thinking of, um, Let's say you have Neo, like the character of Neo is actually played by a Muppet. And uh, at the end of the first Matrix, when it shows how Neo can see the Matrix code, like he's kind of broken the Matrix for himself. He can now uh, control things and is very powerful within the Matrix. If that was like a Muppet and when you see sort of the... uh, the green coating and stuff all over the walls and stuff, how, you know, how it's depicted in the, in the matrix. I feel like if you had a Muppet version of that, and I don't know what that would be, but if you had like a practical effect Muppet version of that, it could be really interesting as well. (laughs) And I don't know how they would do it and how to explain (laughs) it. I just feel like you have the soft fuzzy puppet version of that visual. I feel like it could be pretty interesting. So this one's pretty vague. I didn't think of a lot of specifics. I just think, I just kind of thought choreography and visuals, you could have a lot of cool things with the matrix, you know, when I thought of the choreography and visuals, I just thought of like, I just thought of like Fozzie doing like bullet time and it looking weird, <laughs> looking weird because he's a teddy bear. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, you, you know, you want to see uh, Fozzie leaning back and dodging like rubber chickens being pummeled at him or, right. you know, whatever. It just struck me as completely hysterical. And I'm like, all right, well, that's, and I just, I don't know if I could have taken it seriously. That's why. I, um, that's <laughs> um, all right. So uh, my first pick, right? My second pick. Yeah. Yeah. My second pick. All right. Uh, I'm going to save that one. Actually, no, I'll do that one now. Um, so this one, this one made me laugh. I kind of, I was thinking, yeah, so I'll save the other three. Perfect. So um, this movie made me laugh just because of the uh, idea if I were to do, if the Muppets were to do this, but then be the movie Horrible Bosses. <laughs> um, um, have you ever seen Horrible Bosses? I've never actually watched the movie. Um, you should. It's really, really funny. It's fantastic. And, you know, in terms of like the bad language and stuff, absolutely. We want to see the Muppets say some of that stuff. But it's such a simple rated R comedy in terms of like they don't, there's not a lot of special effects or practical effects or anything like that. I'd still want Charlie Day to be in the movie. Probably Jason Bateman, um, you know, uh leave Kevin Spacey, but maybe, you know, as much as I love Jennifer Aniston, but take her out and make her Miss Piggy, for example, yeah. like who could be what character? <laughs> and like, <laughs> um, like I said, you want to do an even split when you do a small cast, it's harder to do that because sometimes they cast those movies so well. Um, uh, cause like Jason Sudeikis is amazing, but I also don't want like, who would I cut to, you know, whatever. But, um, 
the whole, the idea of horrible bosses that movie and like them trying to like I want to I want to kill my boss so they all take turns like they all kind of swap names so it doesn't look like so like let's all we're all gonna do this but we're not gonna that way it can't be drawn back to each other. Um, it's just it's just a funny idea. I it, but you've never seen the movie so it's hard for you to comment on how what you think. So <laughs> so I think I have seen the first like ten or fifteen minutes of it. I've never watched it the full way through. But I knew enough about Jennifer Aniston's character to know that, no, she's totally uh, Miss Piggy in this version. I think knowing the premise of the movie, I think it's a really funny concept. But unfortunately, I haven't watched it all. So I just don't have much to say on this one. But really funny idea overall. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So horrible bosses. Uh, What's yours? Okay, so. I'm going to go with one that I was going to save, but I realized I don't have as much to say on this one. So I'm going to go with it. And that is Kill Bill Volume One. Um, And knowing how this one, this one crossed my mind, by the way. Yeah. So um, knowing, I guess, knowing uh, how just bonkers as far as the visuals of this movie already are. I think adding Muppets into it just makes it hilarious, Um, especially when you get to like different fight scenes. Like I was thinking that like the crazy 88 could be all Muppets or something, and that could just be really hilarious. Um, The other thing I was thinking of, and I meant to look this up before the episode and I feel bad that I didn't, but you know how um, all of Bill's, um, all the women that work with Bill, they're, uh, what is it? The, they have a name. It's the something assassin club or whatever. Yeah. They're all uh, named after like snakes. Yeah. I just didn't know if you knew the official name of the group. That's what I'm blanking on. Uh, I'm drawing well, a blank too. Well, it's, it's, it's no, it's no worries about that, but uh, I'm glad you mentioned snakes. Cause I was thinking like you could have each of those characters be like a snake Muppet. And that could be a kind of funny, like little touch with it. Um, but this is, this is another one where I don't have, a lot as far as like the depth of the possibilities i didn't i i don't necessarily have a lot of uh, really specific things i just think visually there's just a lot of really funny and really cool things they could do um i don't know if you have any thoughts on kill bill volume one drew um I the, seeing the Muppets as crazy 88 would be astounding when you think about the, <laughs> when you think about the battle of the blue room and you think about the band, uh, the six, seven and eights that were playing on stage. Yeah. And you swap them out for electric mayhem, for example. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, when you go to, when she goes to get the Hanzo sword made, you leave Hortori Hanzo there and maybe his bald friend at the bar, but then you maybe throw in a, a Muppet with them at the bar just for the sake of the commentary. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah, there's absolutely. Really, there's like really funny parts. You could, you know, even like in the hospital when uh, Ellie Driver goes to um, uh, kill Una Thurman um, at the hospital, like, you know, just another nurse just for the sake of the gag. Um, there's some really great stuff you could do with that. So just off the top of my head and Kill Bill is a movie I thought of when I was putting those together. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's like, a, yeah, I think you had some really good ideas there. And I like even though for me, this one's a little bit vague. I just think if they actually if this was actually a movie that they made, like the Muppet version of Kill Bill Volume One, it would just be too good. So I had to make my list. So, uh, yeah. Uh, what do you got next? So my big thing is about. Um, the um, with the Muppets, they always have. um 
Muppets always have large casts. And, you know, I picked Aliens, which is essentially a, it's a tiny cast and gets smaller as people die. And Horrible Bosses is such a it's an ensemble cast, but it's a, it's a small it, it gets smaller as the movie goes. And it, it's very niche. So I kept thinking large casts and how many people you can have on screen at once. So the next three movies I'm going to talk about are literally movies that I thought would be amazing for the Muppets to do just because of the sheer amount of people that you could have on screen at once, whether it be people or Muppets. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Total Recall. Um, <laughs> and whether it's Schwarzenegger or Kermit, who is the guy who's going to recall and getting his brain zapped and everything, the amount of like weird stuff you could have, like the people walking through to get their uh, the body scans with that like crazy like uh, uh, X-ray scanner or like wow. the two weeks lady. Could you see that like as a Muppet? You know what I mean? Like that's totally that's totally one of the the two lady is totally one of the gorgs from Fraggle Rock, for example. Um, <laughs> Good call. I, you know, when you think about the aliens and stuff you see in the bar at the bar um, when he go when he finally gets to Mars, uh, when you think about Quato, for example, the guy who plays the the human guy still should be that actor. But when he opens his shirt and you get to see who Quato really is, that should be a Muppet. <laughs> Absolutely. I was, I was thinking about Quato since the first you mentioned this movie and I've been trying to figure out who would be Quato. Um, and I, off I, the top, no, oh, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, off the top of my head, the best idea I have is like it, some sort of like flesh colored Oscar the Grouch pops out or something like that. But uh <laughs> no, don't even make it flesh colored. Just leave it the Oscar the Grouch, man. <laughs> so the guy opens his uh, shirt and just for some reason, his belly is like green fur. Yeah, yeah I, I could I'm go not, with that. Absolutely. Dude, up with There's a little bit of his absurdity to it, but you're supposed to take it seriously at the same time. And that's or. Really? Or like Gonzo could be a funny Quato too. Yeah, there's right. there's a couple of them that you'd have to really uh, you know debate over which was the best character for each role. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Total Recall made my like it did make my short list, and I think this one's really funny. Um, I just didn't think of a lot of the specifics uh, that you're mentioning. So. so that's that's what I got for you. So nice. Yeah, what do you got? Okay, so one of my favorite Muppet movies, um, it's actually one of my favorite Christmas movies is The Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, yeah. And I was thinking a lot about that movie and how that has the, you know, it's a Christmas Carol. It takes place in this, uh, you know, old timey uh, London setting. And uh, it's really gritty and dirty. And there's all these Muppets singing Christmas carols in like British accents and stuff. And Thinking about that, I was thinking the Muppets could translate really well to uh, Sweeney Todd adaptation. And so that's my next pick is I just think thinking of um, the Muppets Christmas Carol and the more gritty uh, moments of that movie. I just it gives me such a Sweeney Todd vibe. And I'm like, this would just work really well. And with how much I love the Muppets Christmas Carol, I was like. That's actually a movie I would want to see is the Muppets version of Sweeney Todd. And, uh, you know, Sweeney Todd's the demon barber of Fleet Street, you know, and he murders a lot of people throughout that movie. And, you know, if some of those characters were, were Muppets, that could be uh, there could be some really funny gore and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, there's uh, um Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on the actress's <laughs> name, but uh, Antler and Waldorf go get their haircuts. <laughs> 
Well, th then I'm also thinking like below the uh, barber shop, there's the pie shop and stuff. And I'm just imagining these, uh, you know, Muppet pies are singing little ditties and stuff yeah, yeah, as they're being served to people. And like maybe they could have songs about like the people who are about to eat them don't know that. Uh, you know, they actually have human meat inside. And uh, no, it was just this one is just the general vibe I just think would be really cool. And it would work, in my opinion, surprisingly well. So I didn't know if you had any, any thoughts on this one. But no, and I don't know Sweeney Todd well enough to like, how about this? I don't know the movie well enough to call out characters that I would want to put Muppets in place of to like in the, in the same vein as the Christmas Carol. Do you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've seen Sweeney Todd. I just don't know if I know it well enough to be like, oh yeah, dude, this kid, scooter should be here. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. I feel like Sweeney Todd, it is a, it is a play with a, or a musical with a lot of different characters, but there's a lot of, uh, like there's a lot of really like small bit parts. And then there's, I feel like there's about five, like really main characters that play integral roles, but there's a lot of, uh, smaller bit parts. So, I mean, you could fill in Muppets here and there all over the place, but uh, I definitely get what you're saying as far as, you know, specifically picking out different ones, you know, might be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, all right. Does that move me to my next one? Yeah. Okay. So have you ever seen a movie called Smoking Aces? <laughs> yeah, I have seen this one, actually. All right. <laughs> so this is my next pick of the evening. Um, this is a movie. I, I feel like when I talk to people, I feel like not enough people know the movie itself. Um, but smoke and aces, um, this movie is about a FBI, like undercover op trying to locate, uh, a, someone from the mafia. It's basically like this mob boss's like kid. And he, this mob boss's kid is holed up at a hotel in Vegas and he's got like his guarded entourage and everything around and he's over there partying and stuff like that. Um, and the mob boss puts a hit out on his kid. Uh, there's a lot to the story in terms of why he wants his son to be killed. Um, and there's kind of like some really cool twists and turns. But when he puts the mob, when he puts the hit out for his kid's life, every bounty hunter in the country takes the job and they all converge on this one hotel in Vegas, and it becomes this like crazy bloodbath action, um, serious FBI like informant kind of like gritty action film, if you will. The crazy thing about it is, in the movie, they bring in all these bounty hunters from all walks of life, like appear at the hotel and they're all trying to get in in different ways, and they're very eccentric and they're very eclectic and they're they're quirky in their own little ways. And I thought to myself, what if you did like a crazy, like everything going on in the hotel with the FBI, with the people staying in the hotel and then you throw in the bounty hunters and then you make them some of them Muppets. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> there's, there's the group of guys. There's the one group of bounty hunters that, um, is very like punk Rocky, like metal, um, kind of a vibe. If you will, you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. If you've seen the movie, um, Chris Pine plays one of them. Um, and I always forget that he's in the movie, but uh, Chris Pine's one of those uh, punk rock metal guys. What if those bounty hunters happen to be the Electric Mayhem band from the Muppets? You know, <laughs> Absolutely. Like, it's just I started thinking about that. And like um, like Sweetums, for example, is like one of the bodyguards for the for Jeremy Piven. Leave Jeremy Piven in the movie because I think it'd be funny. But um, 
just and I ha- and it's making me kind of want to watch Smoke and Aces, and I haven't seen it in a really long time. But uh, I just this movie just I was thinking massive cast at the hotel and all the stuff going on. It, it would have just made it a lot funnier. And then some of the aside stuff when they were like organized, like when the bounty hunters are getting organized and like still on their way to the hotel and some of the side scenes that happen, like characters they meet, like it's just such a funny movie. So uh, a dark, funny movie. But yeah. Yeah, um, it's funny because while you were talking about this one, I realized I haven't seen this movie <laughs> and I have no idea why I was mixing it up in my head with uh, is the movie called 3000 Miles to Graceland or something with the Elvis impersonators. There's that one, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know why I was mixing that up with. Uh, yeah, I don't know. why I was mixing that up with Smoking Aces, but I haven't seen that movie, but. From your description of it, it sounds like a great fit for the Muppets and just thinking of the random bodyguards. And uh, it's one of those things like while you were talking about it, it kind of reminded me of the um, the Thomas Jane uh, Punisher movie where, you know, there's all these different uh, people who are showing up to kill the Punisher. Like you have the uh, Russian guy and you have the different characters and any movie that kind of has that sort of uh template to it i think would work really well for just different bombastic characters that are muppets just showing up to uh wreak havoc or whatnot so uh no it sounds like it's a really good pick uh just my apologies i didn't realize i didn't actually see it when you first started talking it's all good i'm just gonna say you should now see it nice and think about muppets the whole time (laughs) well you can do that too but you should see it it's awesome um I really enjoyed it. Like it's got a massive, massive cast. You should seriously like IMDb it. Look up the cast. It's insane how many people are in that movie. Um, and it's just one of those movies where like, how could this go wrong? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, yeah. What do you got, man? Yeah. So um, making this list, one of the first things I thought of was zombies, and I was like, I have to pick a zombie movie for this. Um, And so the movie I went with, which I think would fit the best with the whole Muppet angle, would be Shaun of the Dead uh, is the one I picked. Um, And there's different ways you could go. It could be people versus, uh, you know, the zombies are all Muppets, which I think is an interesting idea, because if a Muppet zombie bites a person and then you have to watch the transition of a person turning into a Muppet zombie. Like, what does that even look like? Like, that's something I want to see. But um, to be honest, I think the movie would be better if it was a mixture of just regular people and Muppets and uh, regular and, you know, regular zombies as well as Muppet zombies. I think that mixture would be really cool. I think there's a lot of just really entertaining gags that they could do with that. Um, I think about Shaun of the Dead and how... um, there's Sean and then there's Nick Frost's character and how they're best friends and how they, uh, you know, some of the goofy stuff they do, like how they they get really drunk and have like a, uh, you know, techno dance party and stuff. And I just think of the Muppets like being involved in that and, uh, you know, kind of like that could be like a musical number in itself in, a, in and of itself, as well as the part where there's like the zombies who are you know, charging towards them and they're throwing their record collection at the zombies to fight them away. But then there's the whole discussion like, oh, no, you can't throw that one. It's worth too much like that whole aspect. That could be a whole like Muppet uh, song slash like dance scene, Um, as well as just the humor in the movie. I just thought overall, 
out of any zombie movie, I feel like Shaun of the Dead, just the vibe of it could fit with Muppets better than any of the other ones that I thought of. Um, I did think a little bit about Dead Alive because I really like that movie. But if you watch Dead Alive, a lot of those zombies are pretty much Muppets already. Like there's a lot of weird cartoony latex effects and uh, puppetry in that movie already. So that one, it just wasn't adding Muppets into that movie wasn't a far enough leap in my opinion, but Shaun of the dead, I thought it would be something that would work really well and is something that you could pull off. So, you know, what makes me think like immediately, like what this is going to sound weird. What if you leave the movie as is, but when people turn into zombies, instead of turning into zombies, they turn into Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. That's literally the, uh, that's, that's a, I know that's a weird one to say, but that's just a thought. So, well, and that, and that's the thing too, where if somebody gets bit by a Muppet zombie and then you have to watch that character die and then reawaken as a Muppet, what does that transition even look like? That would be, I, I that, know, right? that would just be very bizarre. <laughs> Like, I don't even know how that would work, but I want to see it because it sounds really interesting, you know? Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. But see, and that makes me think, you know, not only that, but then you do like, you know, you get into like the end of the is it the world at World's End? Yeah, at World's End. Do that one with Muppets, too. That'd be funny as well. Um, oh, yeah. The Muppets would fit so well into that uh, for sure, because there's like kind of a. There's almost like a they live aspect to that movie, which they live was one of the movies that was on my short list because there's the whole like, you know, put put the sunglasses on and then you can see that, you know, a lot of these people are actually Muppets, you know, but uh, yeah. the world's end has that aspect aspect to the movie. So I think that would be a really easy one to fit Muppets into. Um, but, yeah, what do you got next? All right. So my final pick of the night is um, and this one literally it was one of the first it was the it was the movie that made me think this would have been this whole idea would be funny and that's the movie speed um <laughs> i was okay. i was totally thinking of this the elevator sequence and like the muppets you could have in the elevator sequence and then i was also thinking about all the muppets you could have on the bus itself yeah uh, and how funny that would be but not only but this is the muppets so you know keanu reeves and you know sandra bullock can still be in the movie but it would be the double decker bus from uh, the great Muppet caper instead of the normal bus. from. Oh, perfect. Uh, you know what I mean? You just add more characters, you know, it just, <laughs> um, the idea of that just struck me as really funny. And that's where I came up with this whole idea to begin with. So, mm -hmm. um, no. and then, like, cause they have like Alan Ruck is the tourist who's in, uh, who he's the tourist who's in LA and he gets unfortunately on the wrong bus, if you will. Um, but totally replace him with Scooter. Um, Sweet <laughs> Sweetum should be on the bus. I know he's the monster I keep calling out, but he cracks me up just to have him in sequences. Um, you know, I just those are the things that I was thinking of when I was watching this. And then you totally have the 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 captain or the SWAT team sergeant or whatever. That is totally uh, uh, Sam the Eagle right there. Um, so, <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but that was just a, I, those, that was just the one that really made me go, oh, I have to do this list. So. So the four roles I'm questioning now is Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock, uh, Jeff Daniels and Dennis Hopper. Do you replace any of those actors? Are they? Well, I don't you know, know, because my my original thought was you take Keanu Reeves and Jeff Daniels out and replace him with Kermit and Fozzie. Okay, yeah, I was thinking that. You know what I mean? Ultimately, that's what you'd want to do, right? Um, So that's where I was kind of like, I don't know what to do. But, you know, and I wasn't thinking about like a full recast, but I was like, how do I make this? And then I was like, wow, you could do so much with like the split cast of like people versus Muppets on the bus. Mm -hmm. Um, Having uh, maybe Gonzo's the maybe having Gonzo's the. the bomber, but at the same time, or you have that one bomber guy from the Muppets is the bomber. <laughs> yeah. I but, forgot about that. Guy. But Dennis Hopper is so amazing. I would just choose the scene <laughs> in that movie. So I don't know how I would do it. It just, struck, yeah. it just struck me as funny. Well, hearing that though, it does make me like picture this. There's the bomb under the bus and, uh, Kermit's going underneath the bus on that sort of uh, skateboard thing, you know, on a cable that they lower him below the bus while it's moving. And Kermit's going to uh, disable the bomb. But the uh, toolkit that he's bringing under the bus to do this was packed by Fozzie, his partner. (laughs) So Kermit has like all these, you know. I, I, I'm going to say rubber chicken again, but, you know, like all these sort of like gag, like, uh, you know, sort of like joke toys and stuff. And Kermit can't uh, undo the bomb. And it's just like a really funny uh, just imagining that scene in itself just sounds hilarious. So, uh, yeah. no, I, I can't say that I thought of speed at all, but uh, no, that's uh that's a really interesting one. That's really funny. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Um all right, dude, what is your uh, last pick for the evening? Yeah, I was going to say we did this wrong because uh, speed should have been your last one. But uh, it is my last one. I mean, sorry, you should have had the last the final say. On the oh, list. We, did um, we did do this wrong. My bad. It's all good. But uh, yeah, uh, my last pick that I went with is an American werewolf in London and uh an American werewolf in London is an amazing film, but it's also a very funny film. And I think adding Muppets into the mix would be hilarious. Um, I think the idea of the main character in that movie turning into a giant Muppet wolf, (laughs) is just really funny. And uh, since you keep saying Sweetums, maybe there's a weird like wolf version of Sweetums that he turns into. I'm not really sure, but I think, I think the the werewolf in in the original movie looks really cool, but I think if it's like a Muppet wolf, it would just make it really hilarious. But uh, this is another thing where this is just a movie I want to see because I love the idea of a person turning into a Muppet wolf. But if you think of American Werewolf in London, it has like to this to this day, it still has one of the best werewolf transformation sequences. You know, and I feel like werewolf movies in general are really often judged by how good their transformation sequence is. But American Werewolf in London has such a good, detailed, gruesome transformation sequence. (laughs) And I'm just imagining that with either I'd like to imagine it a person turning into a Muppet werewolf. What would that look like? But also, like, even if it's a Muppet, like if it's kermit the frog and he's turning into this weird muppet wolf creature i still think the visuals from that would be 
very striking and unique, but also could be really hilarious as well. So uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Drew. No, but, uh, it's, this is the thing where you talk about the practical effects of the werewolf transformation, how perfect it is. And um, the idea, like, even when you think of American werewolf in Paris, think of the amount of, and this is that thing where like, I think of large casts when I think of the Muppets because you, and I'm not talking like song and dance numbers. You just need to have large cast because you want to have many Muppet characters in it, if you will. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is, that's a, I think that's a really cool pull in terms of like a movie to grab for this because just the idea of, I mean, yes, transforming into a werewolf, but what if it was transforming into a Muppet? So, yeah. um, but that falls, that kind of falls back on what we were saying about the, um, uh, what am I thinking? Uh, Shaun of the Dead with the zombies. Yeah, um, yeah, ex- exactly. I'm also thinking like, uh, oh, just because it is a uh, horror comedy, like it does kind of like the vibe of it, I think would translate to Muppets well. But, and I, th- I think I agree where this movie doesn't have a huge cast but there's still a lot of bit roles you could fill like you'd have the uh the guy who works at the front desk of the hotel that they're staying at and uh there's a a lot of like smaller bit roles that you could have different muppets show up in so i just think it'd be funny but it's it's really just i want to see that transformation sequence above all else so nice well that kind of brings us to the uh end of the list man um Mm -hmm. It's another episode in the can for us, if you will. Um, what uh, are we doing next week? Okay, so next week, this is a pretty similar list. Um, and this is one I thought of a while ago. Um, and this one's really weird. But I was thinking about, um, I guess I was thinking about Michael Bay and how he did the Transformers movie. And then there's the Ninja Turtles movie. And uh, even to some extent, they did this to, with Dora the Explorer, where they made the adult gritty version of like this childhood franchise. And uh, that's kind of what I want to do with our next list is do our top five gritty reboots of kids franchises. So you can look at like Saturday morning cartoons or Nick Jr. Just I mean, you're probably going to pick a lot of the cartoons you grew up on um, if Michael Bay hasn't ruined those next or hasn't ruined those yet. But I just thought this would be a funny uh, topic in general. You know, we can talk about some old uh, franchises and maybe how they would translate if you did the rated R version of them, so to speak. Okay, so like if I basically look at a Saturday morning cartoons, what would the rated R versions of these films Pretty much. I mean, you don't have to list, limit it to Saturday morning cartoons, no, but, but I do want it to be like kids shows. But for primarily, example, and then- so for example, I'm not saying this would make my list, but just off the top of my head, for example, um, a rated R version of the Jetsons. Yep. Yeah. OK, sounds good. All right. No, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, awesome. Awesome. So this is yeah, this is uh, I think this will be a fun list and do with it what you will but uh when you said the muppets thing it just reminded me of this list i'd been sitting on for a while so i think we should do this one uh, it should be funny hopefully so <laughs> we'll awesome. see how it turns out <laughs> all right man well that's another episode in the can for us so pete let's close this thing out and uh go home for the night and let everyone uh relax uh for the evening so <laughs> do us all a favor um check out our uh, website top five report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with the link to our uh inter- email top five report at gmail.com you can hit us up on our email or uh our social media either way works 
Uh, we are on uh, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to us there, and if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be reassuring you that I got some paper towels. <laughs> All right. Well, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And restore the Snyderverse, everyone. Thanks for listening. I will see you next week.